Good to be with you this morning online, and um, Pastor Brian was, told me about a recent series that you guys have just finished up, uh, kind of on around the theme idea of breakthrough, and that you're heading into a new series uh, about looking around, kind of anything is possible, and how do we see God. Well, before I jump in, uh, let, me, let me just pause for a moment and pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity. It's, it's good to be here in this morning. Father, I ask that uh, you would use me as a vessel to communicate the truth of your word and the truth of your presence in our life and how you work. Father, would you speak to us this morning through me in Jesus' name? Amen. All right. Well, breakthrough. I know you guys just finished that up, but uh, I think it's really really important for me to share just my own personal story in waiting for breakthrough. It's been, it's been quite a few years of I've been waiting through, through breakthrough to see what God has. And, and to be honest, it's been brutal. It's been really, really brutal. Some really, really hard times, some really difficult conversations with God, uh, definitely put stress on, on marriage, on family, um, some really difficult conversations with my wife. We, we had these just, it was a roller coaster. I got to tell you, it was an absolute roller coaster. Moments where I just thought, okay, this is it. And then crash, no, okay, that's not it. Another one, oh, this is it, no, that's not it. And just, just the emotional roller coaster that it was. And I can remember um, just various conversations with God, really honest conversations. I mean, I'm going to confess, I was angry. I was very, very angry. Um, at points, angry with God. At points, just angry. It, it, just, it just overtook me, and, and I was a pretty unhappy person. Uh, borderline depression, probably not borderline, probably actual depression. It was a really, really difficult season. And I can remember specifically one conversation that I want to share with you this morning that I had with God. And I just remember just just pleading with him, God, get me out of this situation that I'm I'm in. Like, I'm, I'm trying to be thankful that he's providing through this gift that I have to make custom furniture and stuff, but it was also miserable. I'm an extrovert. I love to be around people. I love to talk with people. I love to dream with people. Uh, I love to encourage and teach and train and all that stuff, and there I am in a garage by myself eight-plus hours a day. I was an extrovert living an introvert's dream, which equals a nightmare, uh, I got to be honest with you, it was absolutely brutal. And so day after day after day, I'm just like, God, please open something up. Please open something up. And this one conversation, it was like God asked me a question, and he said this, am I enough no matter what you do? Well, yeah, how do you answer that question, right? I mean, you got to be honest. And so I was, right? I'm like, yes, yes, God, you're enough no matter what I do. But can I please, can you please just give me, a, give me a job, give me something that I can use my gifts for the kingdom because I can't figure this one out. I just can't. 
And, and thankfully and, and very gratefully, I felt like God did answer that prayer. But as we're in the season of these waiting for breakthrough, right? Waiting for breakthrough. And here's the transition into the next series. What do we do to look around and see what God is doing in the midst of the waiting? What do we do? How do we see God still working in the midst of the waiting for the breakthrough. And there's some really interesting stories throughout Scripture, throughout the Bible, but one in particular, King David. You probably know a lot about King David, but maybe not. But one of the things that's really interesting about David, from the time that he was anointed to be king to the, until the time he actually became king was 15 years. 15 years. And most of that was being persecuted by Saul. Saul was after him to kill him, (laughs) to take him out. So in the midst of David's waiting, he still saw God working, and he continued to wait. On on a few occasions, he had the opportunity to take it into his own hands and, and take out Saul and take the kingdom, but he didn't. He continued to wait and continued to wait for the moment where God provided the way forward. i got to tell you, my season was not 15 years of waiting. It was just a few years, and it was hard. I can't imagine 15 years. So I don't know. If you're in a season of waiting for breakthrough, I hope that this morning there's a bit of encouragement to say, how do we look around and still see God at work in the midst of of the waiting, because it can be very difficult. And I know during those times, I think a question that really, one of the questions, lots of questions, but one of the questions that comes up to to many of us, it's come up to me in the past before, is why does it seem that God speaks to some people more than others? Have you ever, have you ever felt that way, right? Like, kind of Moses. Like, why can't I have a burning bush moment, right? What? Mary. Mary found favor in God. Like, what are these moments we even read in Scripture that we seem like, why does it, why does it seem like God speaks to them more? Or even in our own life today, why does it seem like God speaks to maybe Pastor Brian more than me? Well, he's a pastor. He's more holy. I don't know, you know? So here's, here's the take on it, right? I don't think it's about God's posture towards us. I think it's about our posture towards God. Let me say that again. I don't think it's about God's posture towards us. I think it's about our posture towards God. So how do we place ourselves in the right posture before God in order to look around and see him? What does that look like? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start by sharing uh, an illustration from one of my favorite movie franchises, Chronicles of Narnia. I just, I, I love those three movies. Uh, you know, we got The Lion, the Witch, and the Robert Prince Caspian, and Voyage of the Dawn Treader, right? I, I just think they did just an incredible job. The one that I'm going to talk about this morning is is when Peter, Susan, Lucy, and Edmund return for the second time in Prince, Prince Caspian. And there's a theme that I saw throughout, throughout that, that second movie. And, 
and kind of a unique theme that, that I see, but it had to do with each of the person's posture for Aslan, right? And, and the interesting thing, and I'm going to illustrate it with, with the scene that happens, right? Lucy sees Aslan across this ravine, huge ravine, and she's like, We're, he wants us to follow him. And everyone's like, we didn't see him. We're not going across the ravine. You know, and, and these questions that come up, like, and, and even the, the, the dwarf guy was like, I'm not going to about to cross a ravine for somebody who doesn't exist. He doesn't even believe Aslan exists. And the two interactions that I found extremely interesting, which, which I think points to that posture, is both Peter and Susan ask Lucy a very similar question at different times throughout the rest of the movie. And one of the question basically is, why do you suppose you saw him and I didn't? And her response, she gives two different responses, which I think are incredible. And I don't remember who she gave which one to, not necessarily the point, but it might be. But she tells one of them, she says, I don't know, maybe you weren't looking for him. And to the other, she says, I don't know, maybe you didn't want to see him. And I think what happens is we don't see the things of God in, in times of waiting, or maybe not even times of waiting, but just life in general, because one, we're not looking for him. And two, maybe we don't want to see him, which I think is really, really intriguing. And if you look at Lucy's posture, if you think about it, her return to Narnia had nothing to do really about Narnia. It had everything to do about Aslan. And if you know Narnia, Aslan represents, right, Christ, King, God. Narnia is just the place. Lucy was longing to see Aslan. She was looking for him from the moment she got there. She couldn't wait to see him. She was seeking him out. Peter, Peter was consumed with his leadership, that's what he was consumed with. How am I going to lead? What am I going to do? I'm the right guy. I'm the same, you know, kind of Messiah complex. <laughs> That's what Peter was all about. Susan, Susan, we discover Susan was looking for her man, right? I mean, she had eyes for Prince Caspian. <laughs> Edmund, I'm not sure what Edmund was there for, <laughs> right? But the reality is, is Lucy was the one who was going after Aslan. She was looking for him. She was waiting for him to show up. She was anticipating him to do something incredible. And she had the eyes to see for it, right? Jeremiah 29, 13 says this, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Right? So the first thing in our posture before God to look around is to seek after him. Just to have that place where saying, I'm going to seek after you, God. Just you. Just to seek after you. So again, Peter was focused on leadership. Susan was looking for her man. Edmund, we're not really sure. We can get easily distracted by the things of this world. Jesus reminds us of that, right? He talks about, in Luke, he talks about a parable of a farmer who sows seed, right? 
and it goes into different types of ground. It goes on a rocky path, it goes into the weeds, um, it goes into the rocks, or it goes into good soil. And the disciples are kind of like, well, Jesus, what do you mean by that? And so in, in, in Luke chapter 8, verses 11 through 15, Jesus explains the parable, and he tells them straight out. He says, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear it. Then the devil comes and takes it away, uh, the word from their heart, so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but that it doesn't take any root. They believe for a while, but in time of testing, it falls away. Then the seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear it, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. So a lot of times, and a lot of people talk about this, of, you know, this idea that we are supposed to then go out and scatter the seed, which might be a good interpretation of that passage of Scripture, but I think there's actually a deeper meaning that Jesus is getting at here. And the deeper meaning he is getting at is he's asking every single one of us, what is the condition of your heart? Do you have good soil? Because that's where the Word of God takes root. It takes root in good soil. It starts first, right? That posture before God starts first with, are we seeking God? And then the second part is, what's the condition of our heart? Is it good soil? Are we asking God to break up the rough parts of our heart so that it's good, healthy soil, so that his word can take root in our lives and we can persevere and see a crop produce. We can see good fruit develop out of our life. So what is the condition of our heart? Is it good soil? Next, uh, I, I don't know if you've ever heard of this uh, thing called the Bader-Meinhof phenomenon. I don't even know if I'm saying it right. It just sounds really cool. But the idea of this Bader-Meinhof phenomenon, phenomenon that's, that's a difficult word this morning, um, it's what they call frequency bias. Now, what frequency bias is, and you've, probably, you've all experienced this, we all have, right? Let's say you buy a car. I have a Toyota Tundra. When I bought my Toyota Tundra years ago, I started seeing Toyota Tundras everywhere. I'm like, Psh, everyone has the best truck out there, just like me, right? Because I believe that was the best truck. That's why I got it. But that's called frequency bias, right? It might be a pair of shoes. It might be your house. It could literally be anything. You are now more aware that that thing exists. It just happens, right? Maybe, maybe one day you were like me, and up until 38 years old, you didn't have to wear glasses. And then 38 came, and doctor's like, you need glasses. Now I notice everyone with glasses, before, I noticed everyone without glasses, right? I mean, I don't know. It's, it literally could be anything. And here's the interesting thing about frequency bias. Those things never increased in number. 
They were already there. They were already there. So here's the question, right? Matthew 6, 22 through 23, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body is full of light. If your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now, the word healthy and unhealthy is really interesting because in the Greek, it implies a couple of different things. One of the things that it implies, the word healthy implies this idea of generous. The word unhealthy implies this idea of stinginess. So think about that for a minute. If your eyes are generous, then your whole body is full of the light. If your eyes are stingy, then your whole body is full of darkness. Frequency bias. If you're looking for it, you'll likely see it. How do we create a frequency bias in our life towards the things of God? And here's the thing. It's not that God starts working more. He's already working. We are now just more aware. What does it look like to create a frequency bias towards the things of God because he's already working? Our job is to join him, right? Jesus said multiple times, I only do that which the Father tells me. Jesus even saying, joining in the work of God. That's what our life is like. That's what our life should be like. So how do we create a frequency bias in our life for the things of God? We must have generous eyes. We must be open to it. We must be looking for it. We must be asking for it. Jesus often said before and after parables that he taught or things that he taught, he said, he said this, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Seems like a pretty like, well, that's a little weird. Everyone has ears, <laughs> right? But again, it's the same concept of generous eyes, right? It's a frequency bias towards listening to God. So how do we cultivate, right, a, a healthy posture before God? Well, we have to seek after him. We have to have a good condition of the heart so that the word of God takes root. We have to have generous eyes creating that frequency bias. And then we also have to have ears that listen and hear for his voice. Jesus said, the sheep know me and they hear my voice and they obey So we have to create this healthy posture before God to look around and see the things of God in our times of waiting through breakthrough, or maybe not. Maybe you've already experienced breakthrough, and you're like, yes, I, I saw breakthrough. But I want to see the things of God more and more. Because remember, sometimes the reality is, right, Lucy's response was, maybe you don't want to. What's the fear that's holding us back? I know when I was young, I was like, I was always worried, like, God was going to call me to go to Africa. And I'm like, I don't want to go to Africa. God is going to make me do things that are out of my comfort zone. Like, that's the real, real spiritual thing. What I've learned in life is that one small step of obedience for the simple things in life 
in the ordinary things of life, right, those simple acts of obedience allow us to see God-sized things, right? To see God at work, not us. And, it, and oftentimes, it didn't take me out of my comfort zone. It actually was things that I was already naturally gifted in. He was just asking me to obey, right? And what does that look like, right? That's hearing his voice and obeying. It's the simple little things in our life. It's that nudging that we sense constantly to talk to that neighbor. I'd say that's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's God. That's Jesus saying, are you hearing my voice? Like, and it's, he's not asking you to walk up to your neighbor and be like, do you know Jesus? Or have, have you found Jesus? I love that scene from one of the movies with Sandra Bullock where the lady in the car asks Sandra Bullock, have you found Jesus? And she goes, I didn't know he was lost. <laughs> Jesus isn't lost. We're the ones who are lost, right? I, I'm not, and I'm not saying God doesn't call us out of our comfort zone. Sometimes he does. But I think more often than not, he's looking for people with simple obedience. And simple obedience does not mean easy. I guarantee you it's hard. But it's that conversation with a neighbor. It's a conversation with a coworker. It's a conversation with a classmate or a teammate. It's the simple things in life and those moments where you sense the nudging of the Holy Spirit and you notice maybe that person looks like they're having a really bad day and your job and God's saying, why don't you just go ask them how they're doing? That's a frequency bias towards the things of God. And to step into that place of obedience and then watch God at work because he's already at work. Our job is to join him. So what if we started asking opportunities to see, hear, and walk in obedience? What would our normal day start to look like? We would begin to create this frequency bias towards the things of God. And here's the really interesting thing. I fully believe that wherever we are in this moment in time, that God has placed us there for such a time for such a moment as this, whatever it may be, even in that season of waiting through breakthrough where things are extremely difficult and I struggled to see God at work, that didn't mean he wasn't at work. He was at work, and as I look back, hindsight's always twenty twenty, but as I look back, I can see, yeah, he was protecting us from that. That's why that thing I was really excited about never happened, <laughs> Right? Because God's protection was there. I got to tell you, I didn't like it at the time. In fact, I, I hated it. And I know that's a strong word. And maybe I'm not supposed to say that in church service. But I did. It was brutal. And I was like, why? But as I look back, and even in the moments, I could see the little ways in which God was at work. So let me read this, this passage of Scripture to you. Acts 17, 26 through 27. The writer Acts uh, says this. From one man he made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands so that they would seek him. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he 
is not far from any one of us. He's not far from any one of us because he's already working. We just have, the, have to have the eyes to see. We have to have the ears to hear. We have to be in the place of seeking, and the condition of our heart needs to be a fertile soil where the word of God can take root, right? To look around and see that anything is possible, sometimes it's just the simple things. And we will see. So I'm going to give you, just quick, as I, as I kind of close things up and wrap things up, I want to give three things that I think are really simple things to do in your life. And this, this, won't, this won't take long here as we wrap this up. To cultivate a healthy posture before God, to look around and see the things of God. The first thing is this, and you could just do any one of these, and, and I believe that you will experience different things in your life as a result of any one of these, but I would really encourage you, go for all three. They're not hard. They're actually pretty simple. Well, they might be hard, but they're simple. Is begin asking weekly or daily. I would say daily, which is a hard thing to do, but daily. What would you have for me today, God? What would you have for me today? Help me see you at work. Give me generous eyes. That's the first thing. What would you have for me today? Just ask that question. The second thing is if you don't have a hunger for the word of God, ask him for it. I mean, Jesus says you have not because you ask not. Why not ask him for a hunger? He'll give it. I know because I experienced that very thing. I remember asking God, God, I realize I don't have a hunger for your word. Would you give it to me? Now, I did have to create some discipline in my life. But over time, that hunger was there. I used to read lots of books about leadership and spiritual disciplines and all these other things. And I would gravitate towards those books more than I were God's word. And I simply said, okay, God, would you give me a hunger? I'm going to just create some discipline. I'm going to read, and I'm going to journal. And oftentimes, I'd go into the reading, and I'd start reading, and this has probably happened to you. You start reading, you get about three verses in, and you're like, I don't even know what I just read. <laughs> okay, start over. You read it again, you're like, I totally got distracted again. I still don't know what I just read. I, it's, I've probably done that three times in a row. And so what I did, so I... Do this. Close it up. Open a journal, which I used to hate writing. I used to hate journaling because I always thought I had to fill the page. Um, second note on that, that's the third thing. I would say journal these things down. Journal what your, your questions, your experiences, and that way you have a history to see, to look back and go, oh, wow, that's how God worked. You can actually look back through your journal and see your maturity path and in your spiritual growth in your life. It's, it's phenomenal. So in journaling, right, I always thought I had to fill the page. I always thought I had to write a certain way. Dear God, I threw all of that out the window. And I just said, I'm going to write whatever I need to write. So if I read three times and was totally distracted, had no idea what I just read, I'd close up my Bible and I would write down all the things that were on my mind that were distracting me, and I'd surrender them to God. 
God, my mind is all over the place today. I'm thinking about that. I'm worried about this. Okay. It was a great physical way and a physical practice, a discipline to release those things. And then I'd open it up and I'd read it. And I'm like, oh. And you know what happens sometimes? Not all the time. Not all, don't, don't, don't think this was like a spiritual moment every single time. There was a lot of discipline involved. And again, it was over time. I'd say somewhere between three and six months it happened where I, I was like, oh, I hadn't read that book in a while. It was a great book, phenomenal book. Maybe I'll read it. And I opened it up, I started reading, and I'm like, nah, I just want to be in God's word. And I was like, oh, it happened. It, it happened. I now have a hunger for it, right? Like, there was a shift. It didn't happen overnight. And the same thing with, with this, right, where I, where I, there was a day I was really distracted and I didn't know what I was, you know, I was trying to read, but so I put it away and I started writing everything down and then I open it up and I read and I get to this one verse in Psalms and it says, the Lord reigns. And I closed the Bible and I opened my journal and I wrote those three words. I'm like, that's it. That's all I need for the rest of the day. Actually, that's probably all I need for the rest of the week is to realize that the Lord reigns over all of it. All my worries, all my fears, all my cares, everything. He's on the throne. So, cultivating a healthy posture before God to, see, to look around and see the things of God. Again, these three things. What would you have for me today? Help me to see you at work with generous eyes, right? Give me a hunger for your word and let it take root in my heart. And then three, journal. You could, those three things, if you can begin a discipline in your life of those three things, I'm not going to say there's causation. There's a difference between causation and correlation if you ever take taken statistics. Causation means you do this and this will happen. I don't think that's true with spiritual disciplines. I think it's more of a correlation, right? Same thing with frequency bias. When you do these things, you're more likely to see this happen. When you don't do those things, you're more likely not to see them happen. It's not a direct causation. Nothing, I don't, there are only a few things in this world that are a direct causation. We're talking about correlation, though. How do we put ourselves in this place, in this posture before God to see more of the things of God? When you do those certain things, you're more likely to see it, a frequency bias toward the things of God. So I hope this morning has been a challenge, but also an encouragement to you. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for us as we wrap things up this morning. Heavenly Father, First, thank you for your word. Thank you that is something that can take root in our hearts and it can produce fruit. I pray that we would all have a deeper hunger for your word. Father, I pray that you would cultivate our hearts to be good and healthy soil. Father, I I ask that you would help us to have generous eyes, that you would fill our bodies with your light, that we would have the ears to hear. Father, and that we would seek you.
with all our heart. And out of that, we would see you at work because we know, we know that you're already at work. Help us to see it. Give us generous eyes. Give us a a heart that's ready for your word. Seeking you and realizing that you have ordained our boundaries. You have us in the home that we're in, surrounded by the neighbors that we're surrounded by. The place of school, the place of work, the sports teams that we're on, whatever it may be, God, you have us there for a reason. That reason is that we would seek you, that we would find you, and that those around us would seek you and find you. Because you are in the work of redeeming people back to you, and you want us to be a part of it. So help us to see it. Help us to live it. In Jesus' name.